Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Audie Elmore. I am sorry if I just blew your eardrums out. I didn't do it on purpose. But this is a, uh, a sad, sad edition of the Ball Don't Lie podcast coming off of an embarrassing defeat over the weekend by the Ohio State Buckeyes. That was The weekend was then salvaged. By Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll talk about all of that. We'll talk about what the hell is going on in college football when it comes to all these college football coaches. Nobody seems to make sense of it. I don't know if I can make sense of it, but I'm going to do my best uh, to try. Um, so I guess let's let's start there. We'll talk about the Bengals in the second segment. Uh, um, Ohio State on Saturday. I get nervous about the game every year because I know that going into that week, first of all, rivalry games, as as cliche and as silly as it might be, the whole thought of throw the records out the window, that matters to me. Like I think that that's true. for Especially for a game like the game, I think there's significant truth to the idea of it doesn't really matter what you've done because this is the game that means the most. I think Ohio State, it means a lot to beat them. And I think Ohio State is a better football team than the Wolverines. But Ohio State got completely manhandled. They did not look prepared. They did not look ready. I have had my doubts about C.J. Stroud this season. I think a lot of Buckeye fans have. I'm worried about his ability to step up in a big game. C.J. Stroud was not the problem. All things considered, C.J. Stroud played pretty damn good on Saturday in the snow. He's from California, by the way, against the rival in their stadium. That was a very impressive performance from the quarterback. Wasn't perfect. Was far from perfect. But it was a pretty good performance. It wasn't him that killed the Buckeyes. It was a ton of pre-snap penalties. It was getting absolutely mauled at the line of scrimmage, both on the offensive line and on the defensive line, and allowing a team to control the clock and run the football down your throat, down in and down out all afternoon. They were out physical. I mean, they the Buckeyes simply weren't prepared. They weren't, and that falls on Ryan Day. I don't know if, if Ohio State thought that, you know, hey, we're the number two team in the country. These guys can't beat us. They haven't beat us in forever. We're going to go in here and play our game, and, and it's going to be easy, and we'll figure it out. And it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case because the Wolverines had an excellent game plan, and they executed. They took advantage of an Ohio State defense that hasn't been exposed like that since week two against Oregon. So a massive, massive disappointment for a lot of people at Ohio State. But I, I try to think about it, you know, with a grain of salt. I take everything with a grain of salt these days. And I think about, you know, at the beginning of this year, I told probably this podcast, I told my friends, this is going to be a season when Ohio State is going to miss the college football playoff and they're probably going to play in the Rose Bowl or something. It's not going to ultimately mean anything, but next year they're going to be really good. I think that's the case. I think Ohio State will be very, very good next year. I don't know anything about the Wolverines. I don't know what to expect from them next year. I don't anticipate that they are going to manhandle Ohio State again like they did this year. I at least expect it to be a competitive football game. What we saw on Saturday was the the anti-competitiveness. 
It was not. It was not competitive at all. They controlled the clock. They controlled the game. They controlled the tempo. They controlled everything. But, you know, looking at Ohio State, and, and I mentioned this earlier about my friend Kate, who said we have to, you know, give this team some grace. I mentioned that in an earlier podcast. I think it's true. Uh, it, it's still true. This is still a, a relatively young team. Yeah, it sucks that Chris Olave, who came back a year for an extra year when he didn't have to, uh, isn't going to get a chance for another college football playoff appearance. It sucks that Jackson Smith and Jigba, who set Ohio State records and is going to end up being and is the end up leading receiver for Ohio State this season, is going to go to the NFL without a chance at the college football playoff this year. It you know it, or not Jackson Smith and Jigba, but Garrett Wilson. Sorry, Garrett Wilson, who was a dynamic, unbelievable playmaker for Ohio State, unlikely to come back. So you're going to be starting next season with JSN. My apologies. And, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and those type of players at the wide receiver position. Um, extremely disappointing, but ultimately, you know, we knew there were some problems with the defense. We knew that, you know, ultimately this team probably wasn't a playoff team. But they surprised a lot of us. And I think that says a lot about Ryan Day. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm pissed off as anybody because I think that team was completely unprepared, and I haven't seen them play that poorly against the Wolverines legitimately in the the majority of my life. I mean, it's been tw- 18 years since they really stomped Ohio State. And the 2011 year, it counts, but it doesn't count. You know what I mean? So for them to just get mauled like this is something I legitimately have barely seen in my life. And that goes entirely, entirely on Ryan Day. That goes on his coaching staff. This is not to say that you know Ryan Day should be fired. That's ridiculous. I don't think Ryan Day is going to the NFL. We'll talk about these ridiculous coaching carousel moves coming up. I don't think any of that. But for them to be as ill-prepared as it felt like they were on Saturday is unacceptable. And it certainly is unacceptable when you're going up against the Wolverines. That cannot happen if you're the head coach at Ohio State. I think Ryan Day knows that. I think he understands that. I don't anticipate that happening again from Ryan Day. But it hurts. It hurts. But you have to look at this bigger picture. This team is going to be really good next year. There are rumors circulating, and I'll use this to transition into the coaching conversation. There are rumors circulating that potentially Marcus Freeman could be the next defensive coordinator at Ohio State. I'm sure they could pay him handsomely. Handsomely. Um, but let's talk about these coaches because Marcus Freeman is going to have a plethora of options here. So the the Big 12 championship game happens. Oklahoma loses to Oklahoma State. And all of a sudden there is a, uh, a, a an interruption by Lincoln Riley of a reporter to say, let me stop you right there. I'm not going to LSU. I'm not going to be the head coach at LSU. One day later, Lincoln Riley is announced as the head coach at USC. And who really can blame him? Because the offer that was given to him by USC is unbelievable. 24-7 use of a private jet. They're doubling the amount they're paying for both of his homes. They're giving him cars. They're giving him unlimited access to whatever he wants, basically. He's going to be a rock star as soon as USC starts to win. It makes a lot of sense. There are reports out there that Lincoln Riley wanted nothing to do with the SEC. This sounds like, to me, a guy who is very similar to um, other coaches in the past who have wanted to 
perhaps one day go to the NFL, but let's not go to the toughest conference in college football and make a fool out of myself if I don't win. The West Coast is an entirely different ordeal. I think it will be a little bit difficult for Lincoln Riley in some places because the SEC and the Big Ten have done a really good job of recruiting Southern California. Keep in mind, you already have the Pac-12 there to begin with. So USC has been relatively irrelevant for quite some time. And I have said every time Luke Fickle's name gets brought up for the USC job that I don't understand why Luke Fickle would want to go there because no one really remembers USC as a powerhouse. I don't know that it's an incredible college football job. But somebody said, I forget where I heard it, that USC is a sleeping giant. They've got a massive fan base, they've got deep pockets, and they could own the West Coast. I think that's true. I think it could prove to be a very, very good decision for USC and for Lincoln Riley if all this works out. So that opens up the Oklahoma job. The Oklahoma job, I'm not sure I want a piece of right now. They're getting ready to move to the SEC. They just lost a ton of recruits when Lincoln Riley left. There are other various damning reports coming out about the recruiting styles that were used at Oklahoma. Um, The Spencer Rattler situation all season was very strange. And it just doesn't feel like that program is in a very good place right now. I don't necessarily understand the hype around Oklahoma football. I mean, it's, it's a solid program. They have, just like Notre Dame, done nothing in the college football playoff other than get blown out. And that brings me to Notre Dame, who is now without a head coach after Brian Kelly, on his way home from a recruiting trip, finalizes a deal with LSU to be their next head coach. Ten years, $100 million. I think Lincoln Riley was something like $95 million. Brian Kelly is going to be the new head coach at LSU. Makes a lot of sense for him. He's the all-time winningest head coach at Notre Dame. I don't know that you can legitimately have a hope at winning a national championship at Notre Dame because of the academic standards uh, that they have, because of the lack of conference play that they don't have, the lack that they don't have, he said illiterately. Um, All these things combined really tell me that I I don't know if, if Brian Kelly felt like he had a chance at a national championship. You look at LSU, you play in the best conference in the country. LSU might have the best facilities in the country. And you're two years removed from a Heisman Trophy winner and a national championship. An incredible fan base, an incredible stadium. LSU makes a lot of sense for a guy like Brian Kelly, who, as he told Dan Patrick on Wednesday, I was just ready for a new challenge. He said he felt like he did his job at Notre Dame, which was to restore the the the, the program to... Um, consistency, and relevance. And win. He became the all-time winning as head coach at Notre Dame. That's nothing to shake a stick at. Now, I don't like the way it happened. I don't like that they have a legitimate shot to be in the college football playoff, and he's leaving. I think he feels pretty strongly that they're not going to make it in. Um, He did the same thing at Central Michigan. He did the same thing at Cincinnati. I, I just don't see it happening. Um. Either way, the Notre, Dame, the Notre Dame job is now open. The Oklahoma job is now open. There are a couple of different candidates for the Notre Dame job, the first one being Luke Fickle, who is the head coach at Cincinnati. Now, I live in Cincinnati. I work in Cincinnati. Uh, 
all week long, we have been all stirred up about whether or not Luke Fickle is going to Notre Dame. And quite honestly, by the time I post this podcast, he could very well have signed up to be the next head coach there. I don't know Luke Fickle. I don't spend time around Luke Fickle. But I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of Luke Fickle. I don't see Luke Fickle leaving Cincinnati before a bowl game. Maybe if they lose on Saturday. But I don't see him leaving Cincinnati before they get a chance at the college football playoff. Keep in mind, Cincinnati is moving to the Big 12 in just a couple of years. That will do wonders for that program. Now, the the question then is, is if Luke Fickle goes to Notre Dame, which we have said, and, and people all across college football have said, there's two jobs Luke Fickle would leave for, Ohio State and Notre Dame. If Luke Fickle were to go to Notre Dame, then that opens up a job in Cincinnati. And the question is, would Luke Fickle try to keep Marcus Freeman, who was previously his defensive coordinator at Cincinnati and is currently the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, would he try to keep Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame with him? Would Marcus Freeman be offered the job at head coach at Cincinnati? And now there's rumors that Ohio State is talking to Marcus Freeman to make him a very highly paid defensive coordinator. And now there's rumors that Brian Kelly at LSU is talking to Marcus Freeman to make him the highest paid defensive assistant in the country. So Marcus Freeman has options, especially if Luke Fickle takes the Notre Dame job. Plus, he's not out of the running, Marcus Freeman, of being named the head coach at Notre Dame. But it feels like if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. So there are a ton of different dominoes yet to fall. A lot of it depends on what happens Saturday in Conference Championship Week. A lot of it depends on who actually makes the college football playoff. We'll find out Sunday. And what does that mean for schools like Cincinnati, for a guy like Luke Fickle, for perhaps a school like Ohio State, who needs to get their defense fixed and now, and a school like Notre Dame, who has just been brought back to relevance by Brian Kelly, but is now on the precipice of perhaps waiting too long and losing a lot of the progress that was made. A lot of people get mad at college football coaches. As someone who is, you know, not necessarily uh, financially comfortable, I guess is the best way to say it, I don't blame these dudes one bit for taking millions and millions of dollars. I do think maybe I would be different since they're already millionaires, but taking care of your family, generational wealth, all the different things combined. At one point, I wonder how much is too much. But they're getting opportunities to to do things and, and to take millions of dollars and take care of their family. I can't really fault them for saying no, especially now because college football players are able to profit off their likeness with the NIL, especially now because the transfer portal allows players to go anywhere they want. It seems to be evening out a little bit, but I still don't like what Brian Kelly did. I don't love the way Lincoln Riley approached that situation. I think Luke Fickle will be the guy that we'll look at as the example of what we all should be. Now, college football has a problem. The early signing period in early December, recruiting is just a cesspool. It needs to be fixed. I don't understand why college football doesn't turn their offseason into what the NFL has done. The NFL has made their offseason a 24-7. It has made their sport a 24-7 sport because of their offseason. The Super Bowl ends, and what do you get later that month? The scouting combine. What do you get after the scouting combine? You get the draft. What do you get after the draft? You get minicamp. What do you get after minicamp? You get training camp. 
Training camp leads to preseason. Preseason leads to the regular season. All, all of a sudden, you're back. There's something once a month, every month in the offseason, that the NFL will wet your whistle. College football doesn't have that. They can turn National Signing Day. They can turn recruiting. They can turn uh, early signing. All this stuff into a complete spectacle with the amount of money in the deep pockets that places like ESPN have and, and turn it into a true offseason event, a year-round sport. Couple it with college basketball, like they do now with the college football playoff rankings. It could be really, really cool. And it would save coaches and players time and energy and heartbreak and all this hoopla about leaving early in the middle of a season, before a bowl game, before the college football playoff or whatever it may be. It's a college football problem more than anything. I can't blame those dudes, quite honestly, for doing what they've done. But I think Luke Fickle will be the example of class because if you know if they lose the bowl game or if they lose their conference championship game on Saturday, maybe he leaves. Who cares? They weren't competing for a national championship. But if they're in the college football playoff, I don't see how Luke Fickle says, all right, we made the college football playoff, I'm out. I also don't see how Notre Dame would wait until the middle of January to hire Luke Fickle as their head coach. Because if he makes the college football playoff, that's how long they're going to have to wait. I don't see it happening. I really don't. This is the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Welcome back to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Audie Elmore. You already knew that. I'm the host. Um, be free. Feel free. Go ahead. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Audie Elmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E. I'm trying to get the Instagram followers up to 1,000. That's my New Year's resolution social media-wise. Going to the moon, Cincy 360, weekdays noon to 2, ESPN 1530, iHeartRadio app, ESPN1530.com, with, uh, with my boy Tony Pike. Uh, available now, podcast versions, podcast versions available now. Um, let's talk about the NFL for a second. Normally, I go through each and every game, give you a little nugget. Talk about all those different things. I'm not going to do that this week. Not going to do that this week as much as I would love to, and I know so many people are talking about it. I'm going to start um, by talking about the Bengals. But before I do all that, I was uh, I put on Instagram this week. Um, ask me a question. Ask me a question for the podcast. So I'm going to be answering those questions right now. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But I'm going to do my best. Uh, they do. A lot of them have to do with college football, so we'll finish that up. Um, this uh, first one comes from Jacob Rodiger. He says, go blue. Um, Jacob, delete me out of your life. Uh, second one from Connor Lamonts, friend of the podcast. With the ass beating Ohio State just took, will that finally lead to some coaching changes, especially on defense? Yes, I think it will. Ryan Day knows that can't happen again. Marcus Freeman, I love the idea of him being the next defensive coordinator. Can't fault him for taking a head coaching job. Um, Grayson says, if Oklahoma State wins the Big 12, if the University of that team up north wins the Big 10, if Alabama wins the SEC, is UC still in, undefeated, poor resume? That, I think, is the most interesting scenario. Assuming that everybody wins, including Alabama, it comes down to Cincinnati and Oklahoma State for the fourth spot. Oklahoma State and Cincinnati seem to be very close to one another right now. 
Oklahoma State probably has a much better strength of schedule. They just beat Oklahoma. If they win the Big 12 championship, they will have beaten Baylor. They have one loss. My guess is, based on history, that Oklahoma State would get in. But I don't think that's right. I think UC being undefeated and winning their conference, um, I think that would be hard to not put them in. Eric Beigel wants to know, is Ryan Day a good coach? Did he inherit the best program in the country or both? That's a good question. I think Ryan Day is an excellent coach. I think he's an offensive genius. I do think he inherited the best team in the country at the time, best program in the country, not named Alabama at the time. Um, I do think that the both of those things are true, um, but he's got a lot of work to do. Uh, Jeff wants to know, how many OSU draft eligibles won't play in the bowl game since it won't be the playoff? I don't know. Describe the situation that needs to happen for the Buckeyes to make the playoffs. Um, everybody I just talked about loses. So Alabama loses. The Wolverines lose. Cincinnati loses. Um, who else is up there? And then I think it would be Georgia, Notre Dame. Uh, Baylor would have to beat Oklahoma State. So Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Alabama, maybe. That would be fun. Probability, oh, then it says, then assign a probability it happens. This, this question is from Gavin Miller, by the way. The probability it happens, 27%. LSU, Notre Dame, USC, Oklahoma, which job would you take and why? I would take the LSU job because they have the best facilities probably in the country. Uh, their stadium is amazing. The neck chant alone is worth going to LSU. Um, Notre Dame and USC are pretty much irrelevant. Notre Dame, the recruiting restrictions would suck. Um, LSU has relatively good weather. Oklahoma is in Tornado Valley. Not interested. What does it take for the Buckeyes? This is from Bobby Benshoff. Shut up, Officer L. Bobby L. Benshoff. That's an inside joke. Um, what does it take for the Buckeyes to be a playoff contender next year? Do what they did this year except play defense. That's all it takes. Uh, Tony Pike wants to know, Austin, longtime listener, first-time commenter, would you give your leg for Ryan Day? Yes, if he needed it. Um, Jacob wants to know, uh, Jacob Davis, if you if Houston beats UC, will UC play OSU? And if so, how badly will UC lose? Uh, pretty badly, I would guess. Um, but that's just I'm just I don't. If the Buckeye defense plays the way they did on Saturday, they might lose by forty. Um, Landon wants to know, does Coach Fick leave to a bigger school with all the openings? My guess right now is that he does, but I don't think he leaves before coaching in a bowl game. My guess is that he does but I don't think he does before coaching in a bowl game. So those are my thoughts on that. Those are the questions. You can follow me on Instagram at AudioMore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E. I will answer all your questions. I haven't done that in a while. Hopefully that will continue soon. Also, let me know if you're interested in me starting another podcast with my friends. Let me know. We've been talking about that. It would, it would be loosely sports-related. It would be sports and pop culture. It would be hilarious. Let me know if you're interested. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the NFL real quick. Bengals salvaged the weekend by molly whopping the Pittsburgh Steelers 41 to 10 at Paul Brown Stadium. The Bengals have won three straight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers have given up 41 points for the first time in back to back games for the first time since 1989. What's really weird to me is that the Bengals have basically been the bully of the division so far. And the most influential moment in Bengals history. Perhaps what might end up being the most influential moment in Bengals history is going to happen when Joe Burrow was on the roster, but Joe Burrow had nothing to do with it. Think back to that Monday night game last December 
over the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Bengals destroyed them, dominated the entire game. The the, the two games since then, Bengals-Steelers at Pittsburgh and in Cincinnati, have been the exact same. The Bengals have dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers. It has not been particularly close. And so to to, to see that and to, to feel like that moment late in a season which you won four games and Monday night football with nobody watching, Ryan Finley as your quarterback after Joe Burrow was out for the season for the Bengals to destroy a playoff Pittsburgh Steelers team the way that they did. And then to do it two more times. They beat them by 14 in Pittsburgh earlier this year. They just beat them by 31 on Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium. To think that that might be the seminal moment, the changing of the guard, and Joe Burrow has nothing to do with it, is pretty pretty amazing. The Bengals beat the Steelers are 7-4. They've got an opportunity with the next several games coming up to firmly plant themselves in the playoffs. And they've done it in ways that aren't just throw the ball deep to Joe, to Jamar Chase, not just feed Tyler Boyd underneath, not just get it to T. Higgins like a couple of games last year. The it's it's also not just make Joe Burrow throw the ball 45 times a game. They're running the football. They're controlling the clock. They're playing good defense. They're doing what playoff teams do. Uh, there have been times watching the game where I'm just like, very similar to what I saw on Saturday, sadly, at the big house, where I'm like, this team is so much in control of everything the other team is doing. I don't even feel that badly. I, I don't feel nervous. So to see the way that the Bengals have played, Against good teams, the Baltimore Ravens. Against good teams in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers are okay. Against some other good teams this season makes me really excited. What I don't like is performances against bad teams like the Cleveland Browns. Performances against bad teams like the New York Jets. Performances against bad teams like the Chicago Bears. Now keep in mind, this is a young team. They've got a lot of learning to do. Next year is probably the year. But if you can go to the playoffs in year two of Joe Burrow off of a surgically repaired knee, uh, yeah, sign me up for that, 1,000%. Look at the rest of their schedule. They've got the Los Angeles Chargers this week at home. West Coast team flying to the East Coast, playing at 1 p.m. Advantage, Bengals. Chargers have a good defensive line, but they have given up tons of yards on the ground. Advantage, Bengals, because of the way that their run game has been flourishing in recent weeks. Then you've got the San Francisco 49ers, who have fought and, and scratched and clawed their way back to 500. That game just got flexed to 425 at Paul Brown Stadium. East Coast trip, again, for a West Coast team in December. Advantage, I think, Bengals. San Francisco presents a lot of challenges on offense. The Bengals, if they have a weakness on defense, is probably still their whole linebacking core. With the exception of Logan Wilson, the depth of that linebacking core is questionable, right? I think Kyle Shanahan is the type of guy that could scheme up a defense to expose those linebackers, an offense, excuse me, to expose those linebackers and create the problems very similar to what we saw against the New York Jets. But I like the Bengals' chances in that game because it's at home. Then you go at the Denver Broncos at 4.05 p.m. Denver is a very box-of-chocolates type of team. You never know what you're going to get. They just beat the Los Angeles Chargers. They've beaten good teams in the past. They're settling around that 500 mark. At Denver, tough place to play. I don't know. Toss-up, maybe? Teddy Bridgewater? You worried about him? I don't know. Then you come home against Baltimore, who you mollywopped earlier this season. Unlikely that game's going to have a similar outcome. 
Baltimore is the number one team in the AFC right now. They look like it? No. Do they play like it? No. Does it feel like it? No. Anything can happen when Baltimore meets Cincinnati. Advantage Bengals because they're at home. Then you got the Kansas City Chiefs, who all of a sudden are back to a comfortable three games over 500. Just had a bye week this past week. Are starting to get healthier. Their defense is getting better. Patrick Mahomes returning to form. I don't like the idea of Kansas City coming to Cincinnati for a game that matters to them. But the Bengals have surprised me all season long. Their defense, Kansas City's, is terrible. The Bengals have the weapons to compete with that. And then you finish the season at Cleveland, 1 p.m. Who knows, that game could be for the final playoff spot. The Bengals could have the division wrapped up by then. I have no clue. But I think if you look at these final six games, I don't think four and two is completely out of the realm of possibility. All of a sudden, if you're four and two, you're 11 and six. That's a playoff team. Even if you go three and three, you're 10 and seven. You have a good shot at the playoffs then. I'm just, I I am consistently surprised by how good this team is sometimes. I've also been surprised by how bad they are at times. But it feels like all season long we talked about the, the offense hasn't gotten to where they wanted to, to, to be yet, right? And so now all of a sudden you're seeing what we saw a little bit towards the beginning of the season. Zach Taylor is taking a lot of the burden off Joe, Joe Burrow and saying, hey, I'm sorry, we don't have to, to throw the ball 50 times a game. We don't have to force feed Jamar Chase. We're going to run the football. We're going to go with this outside zone scheme, and we're going to run our whole offense off of that make it really hard to defend, and we've got good enough guys on the outside, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, a great running back in Joe Mixon, and a solid tight end with an offensive line that's playing well. We've got all those things good enough to say, hey, you know what? We can run the football and throw it. We can be a balanced team. We can beat teams in multiple ways. With Joe Burrow calling the shots, I like those odds. I really, truly do. This, this feels like a Bengals playoff team to me. I don't know if they go win a game. But, uh, you know, I, you know there was a, a period of time there when the Bengals went to the playoffs consecutive years where I got pissed off after going to this, the playoffs every, t- every single year and losing. Because the expectation was, you keep getting there, you better freaking win one. Now, you know, I'm a little bit surprised. You, I think back to 2011, Andy and AJ's rookie year. Nobody expected them to make, to make the playoffs. Well, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Everybody was happy to be there. Great. This year would be the same exact situation. I'd be happy to be there. This team, what if this is the team that, of all the teams, goes and, and actually wins a playoff game? Could you imagine? Got a really good defense. An excellent secondary. The best quarterback in the AFC North, maybe in the AFC right now. I don't know. I'm excited. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Don't know for sure if there will be a podcast episode next week. Things are changing where I record my podcast in our work studios. We're getting new studios. So maybe I'll be here next week. Maybe I won't. Either way, next time we meet, there will be a ton to talk about. And I'm excited for it, including the Bengals, including Ohio State, including the college football playoff, and uh, so, so much more. Remember, here, now, anywhere, ball don't lie. And as always, have fun, be safe, go Bucks.